Welcome South Oaks Church. It is so good to be with you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, praising him, lifting up the name of Jesus, gathering together. And uh, this morning, I wanted to start with something funny. And I heard about a little boy who was learning how to pray. And as he was learning how to have a conversation with God, he began with a question. And he said, God, I want to know something. He said, he said um, how long is a million years like to you? And God goes, I suppose that'd be like a second to you. And the boy said, okay, well, how much is a million dollars to you? And God thought about it for a second. He said, I suppose that'd be about a penny to me. And after, you know, thinking about this, pondering, taking it all in, digesting, uh, the, the little boy got his courage up and he said, well, God, I'd like to have a penny from you. And God goes, sure, just a second. And, you know, we're in a series called The Always God. And in weeks one and two, some of the things that we've covered as a church are how God is still speaking. And he speaks through his word. He speaks through his community. He speaks through his presence. And uh, last week, we talked about how God is still hearing. He's still listening. He actually hears the prayers of his people. It's as if, um, I know my wife Micah one time showed me a picture, and it was like God's ear was actually bent down. And it's like he's listening to the prayers of his people. And this morning, we're going to continue part three of the Always God. And the title of this week's message is Always Seen. Always seen, and here's the big idea: if you forget everything else, or if if um, if your you know computer battery dies and you're live streaming, here's here's the bottom thing. I came in here to encourage somebody today who feels overlooked that you're on heaven's radar, that God sees you, that God knows you, that God loves you, He cares, and so I want this morning to be a message of hope that God has not forgotten you. And we've all had questions like this. I know I have. Maybe you have as well. Maybe it's like you're in a season where the struggle is real, facing trials, facing challenges, and it seems like you can't catch a break. Just by a show of hands, participate with me this morning. Anybody ever felt like that? Maybe you feel like that this morning. Okay. Maybe it's like you're in a season at work and you're working hard and it's like you're getting overlooked for the promotion. You're getting passed up or passed by. And, and we begin to ask, like, man, does anybody even care? Does God see me? Maybe it's just like you're overwhelmed by the news reports, evil in our world, senseless murders, violent acts. And it can feel overwhelming a lot of times. Like, man, a lot of times I hear people ask a question of pain and suffering. Like, God, do you see? And even if you go back and, and just go, okay, well, that's the question, but what's the question behind the question? And it's kind of like, God, if you saw what was happening, if you cared, wouldn't you intervene? Wouldn't you do something? Just by a show of hands one more time, have you ever thought those thoughts? Okay, then this morning's message, I believe, is for you. It's for us. And we're going to turn today to the book of First Peter, chapter 5 verses 6 through 11. And while you turn there, this question, these questions, these thoughts are not new to our generation. People throughout time, existence, space, and history, 
even in early Christianity, were asking these questions. As Peter wrote this letter to Asia Minor, or kind of more modern-day Turkey, what we would see on a map or the part of the world of Turkey, he was writing to early New Testament believers who were being persecuted. Like they were literally at risk for putting their faith in Jesus. Their faith in Jesus cost them something, maybe their life, maybe their reputation, maybe their job, like following Jesus, they were being persecuted, some of them imprisoned, and uh, they were being abused, discriminated against, taken advantage of, and again, dying for their faith. And Peter writes a message of encouragement for them, and he writes an encouragement for us this morning to put our hope in him. He reminds us that God still sees and he still cares. Here's what it says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. He says, cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for something to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is going undergoing the same kind of suffering as you. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And I want to share three thoughts. These are three truths about this concept revolving around the idea of the always God, the God who always sees and who is still seen. So the question this morning is, what does God see? If you're taking notes, there's three things that I want to illuminate from God's word that God sees. The first is to be confident that God sees what you see. Be confident that God sees what you do. And this is not just my thoughts or my ideas. I'm going to illuminate some scriptures. And this really comes from God who still speaks, God who still cares. And I'm going to turn to the book of Psalms because David kind of had that spirit of absolute and total transparency and honesty with God. He's like, God, do you still see me? Do you care? And this is what God says in Psalm 33. From heaven... The Lord looks downward and sees all of mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches over all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything that they do. And maybe you're wondering, like, what is God doing? He's got all this time on his hands. I know there was the movie, I think it was with Jim Carrey in it, and it was called, like, Bruce Almighty, And there's this one scene where, like, God gets all the prayer requests on a computer screen. Maybe you've seen that. And I just pictured then it was like a filing cabinet that was a drawer that, like, went forever of all the prayer requests that was coming in. And and maybe it's like an overwhelming email box or a long, long, like, you can picture God's in heaven. What's he doing? You can be assured this morning that from Psalms, he's sitting on the throne. He's ruling. He's reigning, and he's watching over. He sees all. Nothing escapes his sight. 
Proverbs, similarly, Solomon writes, For your ways are in full view of the Lord. He examines all of your paths. He goes on to say in Proverbs 15 that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. And maybe on the topic of like God's sight or the eyes of the Lord, this is my favorite verse on this topic. It comes from 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I like the other translation of that verse that's not the NIV, but it actually says that God's eyes are looking to and fro trying to find people whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking. He's watching. And we can recall what Jesus said about sight and God's eyes in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. It says this. I'll read it. So that your giving may be done in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by others. That's their motivation. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And have you ever noticed that when we're praying to God, he's actually unseen to us? I think that's one of the great challenges of all Christianity, of following Jesus. We can't see with our eyes our Lord and Savior. But we pray to the one who's unseen to us. He actually sees all. That's a crazy, like, (laughs) how do you wrap your mind around that? It's one of the great questions, like, how do I see God? It's by faith that we see him. And Jesus would later teach in a parable in Matthew 25 about eternal rewards. He says that when you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, and when you visit the sick and imprisoned, that God notices. He sees you. He will reward you. And maybe you're here this morning, and those are some of the things that you're doing. And we can often, I think it discouraged in isolation. Again, going back to that question, God, do you see me? You see what I'm doing for you? Like, do you care? Does anybody notice? You're on heaven's radar this morning. And he sees both our obedience and our disobedience. So sometimes we think, well, maybe God won't see if I turn down the lights when I watch these certain websites. Or maybe it's at work and it's like, God can't see this expense report if I turn it in and and boost it up a little bit or fudge on it. God sees everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Nothing escapes his sight. Jeremiah the prophet says this in um, chapter 16, verse 17 of Jeremiah. He says, my eyes are on all of their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. In Psalm 90, verse 8 says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. God sees everything. He sees what we see. Nothing gets past him. And two more verses on this idea that God sees what we see. He sees what we do. Hebrews 4, chapter uh, 4, verse 13 says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. 
Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account to. And the last one on this one is Psalm 121, one of my favorite verses. It starts by saying, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? The maker of earth. So we don't look to the hills. We actually look to the maker of the hills. And this is what the psalmist says. He who watches you will not slumber. Behold, he who watches Israel will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord will watch your going out and your coming in from this time forth for forevermore. And I think of this moment that I had when I was 18 years old. I had worked the same part-time job for a few years by this point. I was graduating high school, and it was a small business called Grand Slam, and there was birthday parties. There was a lot of, like, activities, arcade, bumper cars, mini golf. Maybe your kids or grandkids went there um, for a birthday party, arcade, laser tag, batting cages, lots of fun. And I remember it was one man who owned this named John. John owned the company, and his brother Jim, they were both out of town. So in a normal given weekend, they would do the bank deposit of all the cash that came in. They'd take it to the bank. So we would never see that money. They would take care of it. Well, they were out of town, so then the general manager was in charge. But he had to lead the team. He had to run the business, and he was overworked and overwhelmed one weekend. And I remember he pointed to me, and he said, will you do the bank deposit? It was a really easy job, I found out. All I needed to do was take the bundle of cash to the bank, wait in line, the deposit slip was already filled out, so they just ran it through the thing that was like, you ever been to the bank with, you know, and it goes like, so they're counting the money, and they're doing it like eight or nine times, and I'm like not impatient, because it's not, I don't need to worry about it, I'm just delivering the goods, and uh, all of a sudden, they come back to me, they said, the, the money, there's extra money this morning, what do you want to do with it? So I just go, hey, um, can you change the deposit slip? I'll sign for it. So I go back to work, didn't think anything of it. I'm like checking in birthday parties. The first question the general manager asked me, he goes, hey, was the, was the deposit amount, was that right? And I go, no, it was funny you should ask. There was extra money. He goes, what'd you do with it? I said, well, you sent me to the bank with it, so we adjusted the deposit, and I signed for it. Here's that transaction slip. And I thought it was a coincidence. Turns out it was a test. It was a test. And like what I mean is shortly after that, like a couple weeks later, I was promoted to be the youngest manager in the history of that company. Somebody was seen. Somebody was watching. And God saw what I saw. And similar to that, except the same point in reverse leads us to the point number two, is that we can be secure that God actually sees what we don't see. Sometimes God sees things that aren't on our radar. I heard it like this. While we're playing checkers, God's up there playing chess. We are simple-minded people. We're humans living the temporary earthly experience as eternal beings. God's up there and he's checkmate, boom, boom, boom. And some of the pieces are like, you can go straight, you can go up four over three, I think. There's some horses and chariots and pawns and he's the king. He is playing chess while we're playing checkers. So he sees things that you and I don't see. So often I think of this. And remember where God is positioned. 
And here's what I've learned this week studying is where you're positioned determines your perspective. I'll say that one more time. Where you're positioned determines your perspective. Think of a baseball game for a second or a soccer match or a sporting event. If you're on the front row, you've got some good perspective. If you're in the nosebleeds, you have the discounted perspective. <laughs> Balling on a budget. We've all done that. We've been there before. I've sat in the nosebleeds many times. Your perspective is determined by your position. And one of the positions that gets overlooked unless you've done a field trip is the press box. If you've ever seen the press box, they have a really good seat because they're up there saying, all right, he's going, he's rounded first, touch them all. You know, like he sees everything. They've got a really good perspective from their position. And God's position is he's ruling and reigning and observing, spectating, actively participating in the lives of his people from heaven. He can see everything. So he sees things that we don't see. And we see this in scripture, Jeremiah, the prophet, God speaks to him and through him to his people. This is what he says in chapter 17, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Solomon said in Proverbs 21, verse 2, that a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. You ever, just by a show of hands one more time, have you ever experienced that? Like, it kind of felt like you thought you were playing checkers, and then, oops, God, he's moving the bigger pieces that you didn't see because it's chess. Yeah. And I think of one of the common stories is actually Samuel, the kingmaker. He was sent by God to anoint kings like Saul. And then he goes to the house of Jesse, sent by God, to anoint the next king of Israel. Saul's still king, so he kind of does it in secret. And Jesse brings all the sons and Eliab looks like a king. I mean, he's tall. He's handsome. He's well-built. He's good-looking. He, everything you'd expect in a king. So Samuel's like, surely this is your anointed. God's like, nope. Nope. And in, in 1 Samuel, God sees some things that we don't see. It says, the Lord says to Samuel in verse 16, Chapter 16, verse 7, do not consider appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And he's like, hey, any other sons? Oh, yeah, we got that shepherd boy. We got, that li- we got the runt of the litter. He's, he's just the sheep. He's, you know, just a little bit smarter than the sheep. And the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People, we all, I'm guilty of this, right? You ever done this? I look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And that's the idea this morning with point two, is that God sees some things that we don't see. So we can leave with this big idea that he cares. He's evaluating the heart. He knows the motive. And there's that country song, thank God for unanswered prayers. I look back the past few years and I'm like, man, there's some things that I'm really grateful for that God didn't answer those prayers. Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. And um, Dr. John Piper, I think I shared this last message too, that God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, John Piper says. And you might be aware of three of them. Might be aware of three. And this is what it looks like. Was researching air traffic control. 
And our daughter's like, we live by the airport. So our oldest daughter, she's two, and she can say air. And she'll say air for airplane. And she'll see one or two airplanes take off or land, and she loves it. It's really fun. And you begin to see the world from her perspective, from her position. And uh, Flightware is an aviation flight company that pre-pandemic kept track of like all the takeoffs and landings. And, and they call it the city in the sky. Did you know this? There is at any given time what experts refer to as the city in the sky. There are 9,728 planes at any given time flying, orbiting around planet Earth, carrying 1.27 million people. So it's like this. Remember the John Piper quote? There's 10,000 things that God's doing. It's like he's the perspective position of the air traffic controller. This one can take off. Okay, you're clear for landing over here. Step onto the runway right up next. You're on deck. And we might know that there's 10,000 people, sorry, 10,000 planes carrying 1.2 million people. We might know three of them traveling. Oh, like my younger sister and our brother-in-law and their son, okay, they're on their way to Florida. So they're in the city in the sky right now, and then they're going to come back, but I don't know anyone else traveling that I know of right now. So there's 10,000 planes. I might be aware of three of them. God sees things that we don't see. He sees all of the chess, all of the checker pieces at play. So our sight is limited. God's is not. So Peter is encouraging the believers in persecuted, don't get so fixated on your problems and your outward circumstances in life, concentrating on those who are physically opposing them. He's reminding them of who the battle is against. There is a real enemy. His name is the devil, Satan and the forces of darkness. So then we're encouraged through the words of Paul in Ephesians 6 verses 11 and 12 that says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the principalities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Peter's telling, like, hey, put on the full armor of God, like Paul says, stand secure, Remember that God sees you, he loves you, he cares about you, he sees things that you see and that you don't see. And this week, this is what it's looked like in our family. And I'm sure you've got a story too. But we had a bit of an unanswered prayer. Our six-month-old is a formula-fed baby, so she's with a bottle. And um, there's only one type of formula that she could have. And the doctors say, like, hey, don't switch up the formula it's, it's rough on the digestive system and stuff. And so we were having some issues with digestion, number one, and then we ran out of formula. And how many know when this is your life source and your life supply, that's like dangerous. So I'm the dad and I can't find it at Target or Amazon or Walmart and I'm starting to get freaked out. So we call our mother-in-law who lives in North Dakota and how many of you know grandmas, they pray. And so she finds a whole case of it, five boxes of formula that she ships to us. So we got some formula, but we got to wait a couple days. So we tried a new formula. It was really hard on our family, not much sleep. And then um, we turned to Facebook and said, hey, friends, can you find us this formula? We'll buy it from you. We just can't find it. 
And so we found five more boxes to hold us over. Um, but then, like, I get a text two nights ago from my, my best friend who helped us find some formula. And he goes, hey, man, I just saw this article by Abbott Hospitals, and I think you should read it. And he goes, there's a recall on the formula. So look at the bottom, look at the batch number, and you can tell if it's good formula or if it's like poison. So I, I look at the open one that's on our counter. It's like 10 p.m. All the girls are sleeping except me. I'm up. I look. Whew, okay, we're, that's not on recall. I look at the only other boxes we have in our house. They're all on recall. They're all on recall. So we got no formula. So real prayer request, you can pray. We called the doctor. They told us which one to switch to. But it was like God saw something this week that I didn't see. I thought we had gotten the formula. Turns out there was a reason it wasn't on the shelves. The stores had pulled it. Turns out there's a reason that we like got that text, kept me up late in the middle of the night, searching, trying to find more formula. Turns out it's bad. And there's, there's four babies that have fallen ill right in our state from bad formula. It can be like poison. And, and I look at that. God sees things that we see, but God sees things that we don't see. And so I want to close this message with this point and really talk to you if you're going through a struggle or you're in a season where you don't have a lot of hope. You've gone through a loss recently. The struggle's real in your life. I want you to, number three, be comforted that God sees what has you down. I'll say it again. Be comforted. God sees what has you down. Back to our first Peter passage, God is very aware that the New Testament believers in Asia Minor, Turkey, they're suffering. They're being persecuted. It's not easy. He actually, like Jesus writes through John's gospel, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So he's saying, be comforted. I see what has you down. And I need you to know this, that God still sees you right now today. He is the God who always sees in the midst of your hurt, your hurdle, your hardship, your pain, your struggle, in confusion, in your tears, God sees you. Do you remember the, the story of Hagar in the Old Testament? There was, of course, Abraham who was married to Sarah, and they were promised a child. And they're like you and I. They hear from God, but then they don't like to wait for God. So they did the worst thing they could ever do, and they took matters into their own hands. And they found Hagar, who was Sarah's servant. And Abraham slept with her. They had the child. And then they banished her. They sent her away, and Hagar prays to God. And um, Hagar goes into the desert wilderness to get away from Sarah, who's mistreating her. She's tired. She's alone. She's pregnant. She has absolutely no, no one and nothing. And at this moment, an angel of the Lord appears to her and says, go back to Abraham and Sarah. The angel of the Lord promises her this. You'll have a son. Listen to her response in Genesis 16. She gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. And throughout history, God has revealed himself to his people through his names. And the name for God in Hebrew that means the God who sees me is Jehovah Roy. It means 
there's a God who sees me, who cares for me, who sees the things that I do. He sees the things that I don't. And he even sees the things that has me down. So I just want you to reflect on this for a second. What's weighing on your heart? What's the burden that you carried in with you this morning? You can pause, think about it. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe you've been through abuse in your past. Maybe there's a secret sin that you're struggling with or financial challenges that just have you overwhelmed. Maybe it's miscarriages or the inability to get pregnant. Could be an addiction, could be illness, injury, maybe the death of a loved one. Whatever it is, I want you to hear this, that God sees and he is seen. You are on heaven's radar, my friend. I really think that that's the message God sent me here to, to say in a sentence is that you are on heaven's radar this morning. He sees you, he loves you, he cares for you. So what do we do with that? The practical application is 1 Peter 5, 7. We cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. There's a promise that's wonderful. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And not one of your tears has been cried without God seeing and caring. So I want you to see him. He is, the picture that I get is he has open arms inviting you to have a hug and to wrap you in his warm embrace this morning. So will you let him love you? Will you let him love you this morning? This is a message of hope. And so as we close, I'm just going to invite you as you're able to stand. And we're going to pray together. Because when God sees us, remember the God who always sees, the God who sees, he actually only sees two groups of people. Those who are in Christ and those who aren't. That's all he sees is we're either covered by his blood and he passes us by or those who are separate from God. Sin separates us from God. And Colossians 3, 3 through 4 preaches the gospel like this. For when you died, your life is now hidden in Christ with God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. But you can't appear with him in glory if your life is not hidden with Jesus in Christ. So what does God see when he, when he sees you? just going to invite you to bow your heads as we pray this morning. God sees, and what he sees from his press box view is always certain. We might see a million years. We might see a million dollars, and God sees a penny. He sees a second. And if you don't know God, I trust that he sees and cares for you in a personal way today. So I want to invite you to know him today. And if you want to make that commitment to follow Jesus, to make him the Lord of your life, would you just raise your hand? Amen. Praise God. Awesome. I see those hands. Would you pray together with me? Lord Jesus, I confess my sin. I admit that I've done wrong. I believe that you are the Son of God, the Messiah, 
and I want to follow you all the way to heaven. And if you're live streaming this morning, would you just type in the comments, I said yes to follow Jesus. And if you're going through a time of discouragement or hurt or pain, I'm just going to invite you to raise your hand so we can pray together because God sees you. Yep, go ahead and raise your hand if you're struggling in the midst of hardship, hurting, amazing. Lord Jesus, we love you. I thank you that you see us, that you know us, that with you, a second is like a million years and a penny is like a multitude of resources. And God, you've never stopped loving us. You've never stopped caring for us. You've never stopped listening to the cries of your people. And this morning, we call out to you in heaven from South Oaks Church. And I'm asking God that you would comfort those who mourn. God, that you'd give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I pray that you'd make beautiful the things that look like mess right now. God, I ask that you wipe away every tear, that you comfort our hearts with hope, and you fill those who are discouragement with your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.